Welcome to the podcast service of Sydney's FM 103.2. Available on the web at fm1032.com.au. Hello, I'm Kel Richards. Tonight being Thursday night, we're up to part four of our series Journey Towards God, the most important journey anyone can ever take. And we need to understand that our journey towards God is not easy, it's difficult. The world through which we make this journey towards finding peace with God is a world that in a sense is not helping us. And we're going to focus on that tonight in this program. Well, our journey towards God, as I said, takes us through a world that is seriously out of joint. Clearly, there is something badly wrong with this world that we're travelling through. The evidence for that is everywhere. On Sunday, the 28th of April, 1996, the historic site of Port Arthur in Tasmania was crowded with tourists. At half past one in the afternoon, a young man named Martin Bryant entered the Broad Arrow Café pulled a high-powered rifle from a tennis bag he was carrying and began shooting randomly at both adults and children. Bryant then moved outside to the car park, shooting at and setting fire to several cars. Moving up the road, he shot randomly at people as they arrived at the toll booth. His next stop was the Fox and Hounds Hotel. He shot several people before moving, moving, moving further up the road to the Seascape Lodge, where he killed all the occupants. He shot at helicopters, taking his victims to hospital and exchanged fire with police before he was finally captured. In the end, 35 people were dead, 20 wounded, the worst massacre ever by a lone gunman. Only a month earlier than that, the world's attention had been focused on the tiny Scottish town of Dunblane, where 43-year-old Thomas Hamilton went to the local primary school gymnasium and shot 16 five- and six-year-old children and their teacher. Two other teachers and 12 more children were wounded, three critically, before he turned the gun on himself. Many years ago, the writer G.K. Chesterton said, the one teaching of the Bible we never need to argue for or provide evidence for is sin. He meant, of course, that the evidence for sin and evil confronts us so often as to be undeniable. On July the 21st, 1991, Milwaukee police found a young man named Tracy Edwards, dazed and beaten, with handcuffs dangling from his wrists, staggering down the road. Edwards took police back to the apartment of his attacker, Jeffrey Dahmer. Their investigators found the remains of 11 of Dahmer's victims in acid vats or in the refrigerator. All had been sexually assaulted and then killed. Eventually, Dahmer was convicted of a total of 15 murders. In Sydney on August the 30th, 1990, Paul Anthony Evers woke up at half-past eight in the morning to the taunts of a neighbour, accusing him of being too lazy to get a job. Arming himself with a Bentley 12-gauge pump-action shotgun, Evers confronted the neighbour, Thomas Cullen, aged 60. They argued. Evers shot Cullen dead through the screen door of his apartment. In the rampage that followed, Evers killed four others, including his half-sister Michelle. Now, I could fill programme after programme, night after night, with similar stories of horror. Clearly there is something seriously wrong with a world in which these kinds of things can happen. And since incidents just as horrible of these are found throughout the pages of human history, whatever is wrong has always been wrong. It's not something new. The big claim the Bible makes is that what is wrong is human nature. The Bible says that human nature is not all bad, as an utter pessimist might think, nor is it basically good as viewed through the rose-tinted spectacles of the optimist. Rather, human nature 
is a good thing gone bad. Although humanity was originally made in the image of God, humanity, human nature, is now corrupt. In summary, the Bible claims that God made the world and made us to be the rulers of the world under him, but we have rejected the ruler, rejected God, by trying to run our lives and our world our own way without him. And we failed. We failed to rule ourselves, our society, or the world. The claim, this claim about the corruption of human nature, is obviously a very big claim, and one that's, on the whole, no one wants to face up to or seriously consider. For instance, following the Port Arthur massacre, there were lots of suggestions for preventing this kind of horror happening again. You know, better gun controls were introduced. There were suggestions that violent videos needed to be censored. Apparently Martin Bryant had a big collection of those, and there were various other suggestions. What no one wanted to face was the possibility that there might be a dark shadow of corruption across the human heart. We want to believe the problem. You know, the problem of what's wrong with the world is out there, not in here. However, the Bible makes the big, startling, uncomfortable claim that the problem is within us. Here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, sentences 10 to 12. The Bible says, There is no one righteous. Not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. Well, now, let me see if I can put it like this. It's as though human nature, or human behavior at any rate, human behavior, falls in a kind of spectrum. I mean, at the extreme end of the spectrum, you'll find Martin Bryant and Jeffrey Dahmer and those horrible people, uh, the, the terrorists who will fly aeroplanes into buildings and kill 3,000 people. They're at the extreme end of the spectrum. A bit further down the same spectrum are the lesser criminals. Travel a bit further down the same spectrum, you come to the businessman who cheats on his wife by committing adultery with his secretary. A long way down the same spectrum, you'll find small children who reduce one of their number to tears by taunting them. Children can be very cruel. And it's all the same spectrum. And we are all on that same spectrum. That spectrum is corrupt human nature. And the corruption is not out there. The corruption is in here. It's within each one of us. Let me appeal to your own experience. Have you never felt the urge to be selfishly ambitious? To compete? To be envious? To be jealous? Of course you have. It's only natural. Human nature is corrupt. Have you never passed on gossip? Never got caught up in a little clique, a closed circle that included this one, excluded that one? Of course you have, it's only natural. Human nature is corrupt. Have you never lost your temper, had a fit of rage, never spread discord, never created division, never hated someone? Of course you have, it's only natural. Human nature is corrupt. Seriously considering big claims like this is a challenge to the way we like to see ourselves and the people around us. It is these big claims the Bible makes about us that make us most uncomfortable. Unfortunately, there is a lot of supporting evidence. Some years ago, there was a power failure in a department store at a major shopping mall in Sydney. Now, like many modern department stores in shopping malls, this one had no exterior windows. So when the power went off, it was pitch black inside, black as a coal mine. Now, the power was only off for a few minutes, but during those few minutes, tens of thousands of dollars' worth of goods were stolen. What happened? Was there one very fast thief who could see in the dark? Or did lots of ordinary shoppers, you know, honest citizens, like the people who live next door to you, 
the people you work with. Take the opportunity to grab things and fill their pockets and purses. The evidence for the truth of what the Bible says about human nature is unassailable. What's wrong with the world? We are. We are. We are part of the problem, not part of the solution. We have, to use the the um, illustrations I was talking about last night, we have killed the patient, crashed the plane, shelled our own troops. Many years ago, a London newspaper ran a series of articles under the heading, What's Wrong with the World? And there were contributions from politicians and diplomats and industrialists and academics and heaps of others. After the series had run for some time, G.K. Chesterton, the author, wrote a letter to the editor of the paper, which said, it was a very short letter, it just said, Dear Sir, what's wrong with the world? I am. That's exactly what the Bible says. We're all part of the problem because human nature is the source of the problem. But how can rebelling against God change our inner nature? We're still us, aren't we? However, declaring our independence of God does change us. Picture it like this. An Austrian businessman was transferred from his company's head office in Vienna to the branch office in Singapore. He wasn't much of a traveller. Didn't fancy leaving home, but it was a promotion, so he accepted the transfer. Soon he was suffering badly from homesickness. So he phoned his brother back in Vienna and asked him to send out, uh, by air, a punnet of Edelweiss, you know, the little white alpine flower, the national flower of Austria. The businessman planned to plant the Edelweiss in the window box of his Singapore office to remind him of Austria, you know, help with his homesickness. And that's what he tried to do. The punnet of flowers arrived by air from Vienna, planted them out, but the little white flowers quickly grew a fungus on their leaves and began to rot. The same thing happened with the next punnet of Edelweiss and the next. They simply would not thrive outside their native climate. And the same is true of us. We will not thrive outside our native climate. And our native climate is in touch with God, living under his direction. The Bible is claiming that we were made in a particular way. Our nature was shaped, if you like, in a particular way. And we have corrupted that shape with the result that we no longer function as we ought. Imagine a billiard cue with a properly manufactured, perfectly shaped leather tip on the end of the cue. Now, imagine taking a piece of sandpaper and filing one side of that leather tip. I can tell you that billiard cue, that snooker cue, will no longer play straight. It will no longer pot balls. It will no longer play true. Because it's out of shape. It no longer functions as it should. That is a picture, according to the Bible, of what has happened to the basic nature of Homo sapiens, human beings, us. And the sandpaper that did the damage, that changed our shape, that stopped us functioning properly, is our refusal to face the consequences of our relationship with God. Uh, we'll continue the series tomorrow night, Friday night, but here's our thought for the night. It comes from Romans chapter 1, sentence 18. The Bible says, The anger of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Until tomorrow night at this time, thanks for your company. I'm Kel Richards. Bye for now. We hope you enjoyed this FM 103.2 podcast. To listen to more great audio, visit fm1032.com.au.